let's prepare ourselves to receive God's Word. By the way, is anyone else warm in here? It's kind of warm for Halloween, isn't it? So, faith, the final frontier. These are the journeys, the voyages of the Church of Oak Ridge through the book of James. <laughs> you know, some sayings are very familiar, and they're, they're iconic in our culture, and um, we can finish these sentences out loud. So help me finish some of these sentences around the screen here. Put your money where you're. Don't just stand there. Thank you. Practice what you... Very good, very good. So, this iconic statement is the central focus of today's passage in Scripture. Faith without works is... Dead. dead. If you're honest with yourself, this sentence ought to cause you to pause and do a little self-examination. It might even cause me, personally some anxiety because of the expectation that it puts on me. So, before we dive into this message, what I'd like to do is I'd like us to read this entire passage. Today we're going through James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. We're going to read the entire passage. I'd like you to pair up with each other. We're going to do this. We're going to read it together, and then we're going to read it, to, we're going to read it again as a congregation. So you just pair up, just two. Just two people together. Open up your Bibles, flip open your phones, Get with someone that's sitting next to you. If you're sitting by yourself, if you're by yourself, I will come and read with you. Um, what I'd like you to do is read these 13 or 14 verses and to one another. Take turns however you see fit. So go ahead and pair up. We'll take a few minutes, and you guys can read with one another. I'll just beam down here with Josh. All right, God's word is powerful. We'll finish up. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome, and we are here to worship you through song and through bowing our hearts before your word, Lord. We're here to worship you in fellowship, Lord, and we desire to take your word. We try to listen to it. We want to understand it. We want to obey it, Lord, and we want to put into practice the things that you've given to us. Lord, and you are a good God. You're a holy and righteous God, but you're a good God, and you give us instructions that we can grasp and you give us the power and the resources, Father, to obey you. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you that you are a good Father that delights to give wisdom to your children. Amen. All right, since we are going to give attention to the public reading of the Scripture, I'd like us to really kind of based in this passage today. We're going to read it. Again, I'm going to read, you don't have to read out loud, because that's always very awkward when the entire congregation is trying to read out loud. But I'm going to read this passage again, slowly, through the New Living Translation. I'm not sure what you're looking at, but follow along if you could. So, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Do you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing? And you say, goodbye. Have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? 
So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say that you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor, Abraham, was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son, Isaac, on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. Lord, this is your word. So what's the big picture of this passage? Of course, faith without works is dead. So why does this need to be said? Why is James pausing here to draw our attention to this? Faith is awesome. Is he belittling faith? Faith is awesome. Faith is powerful. Faith is mandatory, right? Scripture gives such a strong endorsement of faith. So why this warning? Well, let's remember that James is a letter to Jews. Recall from Eric's message last week, the first half of chapter 2 talks about people, Christians, showing preferences based on wealth and possessions and what looks like society's standing. What was James correcting? Were the Jewish Christians maybe bragging about their new faith? We have the law, now we have faith, while engaging in hypocrisy towards their poor brothers and sisters. Perhaps that was what was going on. And we do know, however, that hypocrisy is a common human frailty. So let's engage a little bit in the self-examination that I referred to at the beginning of the message. Self-examination causes anxiety. Taking a test causes anxiety. That's, that's when you have someone imposing an examination. on Outside examination causes anxiety. But if you pause long enough to examine yourself, that can also be a source of anxiety. And we do need to slow down. We do need to pause. So why would this theme in particular cause anxiety? Because there's an implied expectation. Faith without works is dead. So there's an implied demand on me. What works am I going to show? What works come along with my faith? So I'd like to clarify exactly what expectation and what works and what it is I'm accomplishing when I do my works. So I want to take a look here at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Grace, through grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, 
So is there tension here between these two verses? Not as a result of works. Faith without works is dead. See, these are the types of things that are worthy for us to spend our time thinking and praying about, thinking and talking about with one another. If you find a tension like this in Scripture, don't brush it aside. Don't think, oh, someone else has got the answer to that. It, it must make sense in some other way. Instead, tackle it head on if you see something that's causing tension. Because what it's doing, it's drawing you, and God is using this, the Holy Spirit is using this to draw you into a closer walk with Him, drawing you into a better understanding of His character and His nature, drawing you into a better, more solid foundation in your own walk with Him. So in this case, I want, what I want to clarify is the works that James was talking about is not our salvation. We're not earning our salvation. How are we saved? Pop quiz, multiple choice, the easiest kind. Remember the guidelines of understanding the Bible. We interpret Scripture with Scripture, not according to our anxieties or some isolated passage. So, we are saved, according to Ephesians, by A, works, B, faith, C, grace, or D, Sacraments. Pop quiz. What's the answer? See, we are saved by grace. God's gift of Jesus Christ. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are saved. This is the picture of salvation in the New Testament. So when we see, a, see or feel attention with something that James is saying, we we, we, we put these two concepts next to each other, we compare it to the entire message of the New Testament, and we meditate on that, and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. I'd like to share another highlight of this. I read this, one of my favorite devotionals is um, by Oswald Chambers, His Utmost for My Highest. No, wait a minute, My Utmost for His Highest. Sorry. And this was from just this past week, October 28th. And uh, he, he wrote, and uh, actually, Oswald Chambers is really cool. So he wrote all this stuff, and you know what? You know how this got turned into a devotional? His wife transcribed it and turned it into a devotional. So it's an amazing example of teamwork. So he wrote, he said, I'm not saved by believing. I simply realize I'm saved by believing. It's not repentance that saves me. Repentance is only the sign that I realize what God has done through Jesus Christ. The danger here is putting the emphasis on the effect instead of the cause. Is it, my, is it my obedience, consecration, and dedication that make me right with God? It's never that. I am made right with God because prior to all that, Christ died. This speaks to my heart. As a young man, I struggle mightily with, have I repented enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I walked down to the front and been baptized enough? Really ticked off the pastor of my church by walking down front many, many times. I was trusting in my own feelings, and eventually I learned to trust. It's not my feeling. It's not what I've done. It's what Jesus Christ did and what his blood is powerful enough to do in me. And when I trust that, that is the evidence of my salvation. I am saved by his blood, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection. So, just to be crystal clear, the works that James is talking about is not our salvation. So then what are we talking about? 
We're talking about evidence of a relationship with God through a changed life. Works do not earn righteousness before God. He doesn't owe us anything. This is not the doctrine of justification. Rather, this is an exhortation for you to live out your faith in a sometimes very difficult world. You have difficult relationships. You have a difficult job. You have difficult health issues. You have difficult work, financial. That's where the rubber meets the road. Do you have people around you that are in need that it's just too easy for me to shut my eyes to? I, if you, if, when we drive around here, we see tons of people, tons of people that are waiting at the traffic light asking for money or food or something like that. Easy for me to have a callous heart against them. And think of all these things they ought to be doing differently. But do I have a callous heart towards people like that? Do I, do I have a callous heart towards the people in my own life who sometimes irritate the daylights out of me? Do I? See, through the power of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of His Word, we overcome those things and we show through our faith that we love Him and we love the people around us. Scripture says, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is evidence. Faith is evidence. And in the NIV it says faith is assurance. In the, in the um, ESV, in the New American Standard, it says faith is conviction. In the King James, in the New Living Translation, it says evidence. Faith is evidence. What evidence is there in your life that you love him and that he is the most important thing in your life? That's I think the spirit of what James is trying to communicate and challenge us to, and it's a high calling. So how do we know if we're doing it wrong? Um, Let's start low and we'll end up high. We want to have faith. We want to show our faith right. But these are just some of the things that James corrected in his letter. Let's look at it. The same same thing in the first in the 50s A.D., as it is now in 2021. Preferential treatment. Anger, harsh speech, callousness towards the needs of those around you. And flat out, just not doing what God says. These are evidence that you're not doing it right. You can proclaim, I love God, I do this, I do that, this is me, this is my team, this is my logo. But if the evidence doesn't bear it out, it's dead. It's worthless. So let's get practical. If faith without works is dead, then another fill in the blank. If faith without works is dead, then faith with works is alive. Exactly. Isn't that encouraging to think about it? Sometimes I was thinking about this message this week and meditating on this passage. It's like heavy, heavy. Faith without works is dead. Okay, what am I supposed to do? And then I flipped it around and I say, okay, so the opposite of that is life. Faith, faith with works is alive. It's alive. And that's encouraging thought for me. So we want this. We want this life. We want to know we're doing it right. So what does, what does James, in addition to pointing out the errors, he points out an even longer list of things that show evidence that we're, quote, unquote, doing it right. Rejoicing spirit, perseverance, wholesome speech, resistance to temptation, a doer of the word, a fulfiller of the royal law. What an amazing state. 
to love your neighbor and being merciful. These things are evidence of our faith. I put these things here on this, on this slide with the references. I encourage you to think about this. In fact, I just want to pause on this point for just a moment. What would my life look like if these qualities typified me on a consistent basis? Rejoicing spirit, persevering, resisting temptation, a doer of the word, wholesome speech, loving my neighbor, merciful to those around me. What, what would your state of mind, what would your personal mental health be like if this, these things that James is exhorting you to typified your life? What would the state of your relationships be in your family or work or neighbors if these things typified your life? Hmm. And the most exciting thing is, what would the state of your relationship be with God through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, be if these things typified your life? Rejoicing, persevering, doing His Word, wholesome speech, loving those around you, being merciful. This is an amazing picture. This is what we're called to as believers. This picture of life. So rather than the burden and the expectation of, you know, faith without works, what am I supposed to do? Okay, you're giving me 15 more things to do. He's not just piling a burden on your heads of extra work and another to do, another meeting or whatever. He is calling us to a vision of refreshment, of joy, of peace, of purpose. And you know what happens? This, what's going to happen if, we, if, we're, if this typifies our life, first, he will be glorified. Two, your heart will be blessed and healed. And three, his power and his gospel will go out strongly. This is why the Holy Spirit indwells us. So that these things, this is the living water that Jesus wants to broadcast to the world around us. It's an amazing picture. It's an amazing picture. So how do we get there? High calling, right? We want, I want these qualities in my life. I want these things to typify my relationship with God. I want to be brought to tears easily at his glory and his majesty and his power. I want to be brought to tears easily by the needs of the people around me. I want to have a soft heart. I want to be transformed. I want a heart of flesh. So how do we get there? Well, it's a lifetime. I, w I wish I could just say, do this, do that. I'll offer some guidelines, I think, that will guide us towards, towards this. First of all, slow down. Slow down. Examine your heart before God. Is there ever a time where you just chill out and you sit and you allow yourself to be alone with your thoughts or alone with his word. And it speaks to you. Maybe at first it's going to be cleansing you. But he, he always follows the cleansing with peace and restoration and forgiveness. But slow down. Maybe you need 
a time in the morning. Maybe you need a Sabbath day. Maybe you need some peace and quiet in the bathroom for 10 minutes where someone's not pounding on the door. I don't know. Be creative. Talk to one another. Figure out something where you can actually slow down long enough to listen to his voice. Ask God. James also talks about we ask God. He says he delights to give us wisdom. Ask him, Lord, I don't know. What? What do you want me to do? Ask him for that wisdom. Ask him for that peace. Ask him to speak to you. And then walk away from that request with an expectation. He wants to communicate with me. He wants to tell me his truth and his love and his grace. If you're a believer, he might, he might put something on your heart that you need to change. Write it down. Tell somebody that you know and trust. And, and, and make the change that he puts on your heart through his word and through his spirit. If you don't know him as Savior, and you're, at, and you're taking the time to ask him for wisdom, well then, first of all, good on you. Good on you if you're not sure about God, but you slow down long enough to ask him for his presence. A couple of thoughts. First, read his word in the Bible through scripture. He's going to speak to you clearly through his scripture. Talk to a friend or family member who knows Jesus Christ, and they would delight to share with you his truth in a gracious way, right? In a gracious way, right? And then repent. Turn to Jesus Christ. Trust him. He has paid the price for your sins. Put your faith in that. Be patient. This is a lifetime journey. It's a lifetime journey. Whether you're young or old, we always have areas to grow in. Be patient with yourself, be patient with those around you, and wait patiently for God's timing in your life. You don't know. You want to, I want stuff from God now all the time. He's got a lot of different things in motion, and I serve him. I serve him, not him, me. And then last but not least, act on what you know. If you know you need to do something, go do it. Don't just make it up. Don't get it off of Twitter. Don't get it off of Facebook. Don't act on something that, um, that, um, that, that, uh, that comes from a random source. Act on what you know that comes from Him, that comes from Jesus, that comes from the Spirit, through the Word. It can be something big. It can be something small. It can be something handing out a, a grab bag of food and tracks and water to someone at the stoplight. It could be going and finally talking to your neighbor who's angry at you or you're angry at them and, and clearing the air and humbly asking for forgiveness. It could be, it just do, put your faith into action and act on what you know. The good news in all of this, the good news in all this is God is compassionate. He desires this relationship with us. He desires this type of life to be typified in us. And he offers, it, he offers his wisdom freely, just like he offers his son freely. And as believers, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. So, faith without works is dead. That's the warning. Show your faith. Show your faith. This is the attainable instruction. We are warned because we're flawed human beings that need to be reminded of truth. We frequently wander from Him. I frequently wander from Him. So why did I choose this word attainable here? Because God, as always, he provides the solution with the, with the problems or the challenges or the, that he puts before us. The solution is for us to show our faith in practical ways, 
We're not trying to pay for our own sins. We're solving all the world's problems at once. We show our faith. So my final thought for us, for me, for all of you, is pair with the thought that faith without works is dead, is that you can show your faith. Faith with works is alive. Let's pray. Father, we are alive. Through the sacrifice and death of your son, Jesus Christ, you've raised us from the dead, Lord. You've indwelled us with your Holy Spirit. You give us the power uh, through the Holy Spirit. You give us your instruction through your word. You give us encouragement and accountability and refreshment and challenge through our brothers and sisters, Lord. I desire to walk in your spirit. We desire to walk in your spirit. I pray that each one of us could leave here today with some small thing that we can do to show our faith to a world that needs you. In Jesus' name, amen.